Recently, I had the privilege of introducing a new candidate for Washington State's 3rd Congressional District, and Leslie Llewellyn is joining me today to talk about the state of politics in Washington State and more broadly what's happening in conservatism around the United States. Populism is on the rise here, and today we're going to talk a little bit about what that means and how we can avoid having celebrity culture hijack our elections. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Liza Llewellyn, welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. Oh, thanks for having me here. Um, it's it's a pleasure and an honor. Well, we've been trying to do this for a little while. You are busier than a one-armed paper hanger right now, uh, running for Congress in Washington State's 3rd Congressional District. There are a lot of people listening to this right now who are like, wait a second, Heidi, uh, weren't you running for the 3rd Congressional? And so for those of you who are hearing the buzzwords, maybe you're from a different part of the country, even you're right here in our state. Yes, uh, this is exactly the seat that I ran for two years ago. Of course, we lost that seat. Ultimately, the Republicans, which is the worst part about this, the Republicans lost that seat to a leftist. And now uh, you have jumped into the race. So I'd love people to get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are and why you decided to jump into politics because you've still got children at home, right? I do. I am a mom of four. And so uh, so that, that was really one of the reasons. I mean, I'd been in politics on the periphery before uh, before I started raising my family, but uh, really it was it was COVID and the atrocities happening to the people that I love and the values in the country that I love that really got me off the sidelines and regalvanized me into action. Um, and I, I, I'm not alone. I think there was a lot of parents that uh, got galvanized and, and decided to yep. spring into action. So just a little bit more about me. I'm a fifth generation Washingtonian. I'm a former prosecuting attorney. I'm a current Camas City Council member, and and I always say, uh, most importantly, I'm a wife and a mom to four children. And uh, yeah, I I ran uh, for the city of Camas, and I knocked on five thousand doors, and I got to really hear what people are concerned about, and and what they need from their government from the top on down. And uh, and. And I'm a fighter and I, I've been fighting every single day since I got elected to Sam Kansas City Council um, to fight for the people's voices. And but what I saw at the city level was what I can only imagine is magnified a million times over at the federal level. We have uh, we have a government that's just not working for the people. Right. Uh, it's right. not it's not the limited government our founders envisioned. Uh, it's it's bloated. There's fraud, abuse and waste everywhere I look. Um, I cannot find even just at the city level. Um, they don't want to hear from the people. And that's right. unfortunate uh, because we are elected to represent the people. So. When I watched uh, your election cycle, uh, I decided we should never have lost that seat. We should right. never have lost that seat. This is a red district. Trump won this district by four points in 2020. Um, all of the other Republicans on the 2022 ballot outperformed the uh, congressional candidate, the Republican congressional candidate for uh, CD3. And yep. uh, I decided uh, that I wasn't going to wait for somebody else to try to come in and fix the mess. I mean, if 
if you weren't going to do it and if others weren't going to do it, then, uh, you know, I'm going to step up and I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for the values that I love and fight for mm-hmm. those core conservative values um, that I grew up with. Yeah. Well, we're noticing, and you and I have talked about this, uh, obviously, you know, I haven't known you for very long, but known you long enough to be encouraged by what you are, what you want to do, the vision that you have to allow the voice of the people to come back to governance again. And I think there is a lot of malaise right now. And I've talked about this a lot on my show. I think there's a fair amount of frustration in the populace. You know, people are just like, why am I voting? Unfortunately, the Republicans have touted voter fraud, right? And it's voter fraud, you know, from sunup to sundown. And unfortunately, that the uh, the outcome of that has been that the voters feel disenfranchised. And so they just simply do not come out to vote. And while I believe that there is some voter fraud, I don't think that's why we're losing elections. You'll notice that the Republicans don't whine and cry when they win. They don't scream voter fraud when they win. They only scream it when they lose. And the same thing is true on the on the Democrat side. So what do you what are you doing And what do you think uh, people who are listening, because there are a lot of people listening to this that are not from Washington state, but maybe they're thinking about jumping into politics where they live and they're realizing, hey, we're, we have lost, and what you said is right, we've lost the founding vision for what uh, our country was supposed to look like. We were never supposed to be career politicians. The founding fathers are rolling in their graves at this idea that people could be there as long as somebody like uh, Nancy Pelosi has been there, right? And Dick Durbin and some of these guys who look like the walking dead now. They're like, you know, 187 years old and they're stumbling across the stage, a.k.a. Joe Biden. And we're still uh, electing these guys. This was never what the founding fathers envisioned. So what? So I guess there's two parts to my question. What is it that you are are seeing in terms of the voter enthusiasm or lack thereof? And what do you want to do to try to correct it? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, I, Joe Biden took office in 1973. That's uh, that's longer than I've been alive. It's horrifying. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, I mean, I've been alive since 1973, but, you know, not for that long. When I was watching the last presidential election, I thought you've had all this time to fix these problems. What the heck have you been doing? But right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, so he's been teaching his son how to skirt the law. That's what oh, he's been doing. Yeah. Yep, Come on. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. So, I mean, 70 percent of the people in the country right now think we're headed in the wrong direction. And we are. Uh, but you're also right. Uh, I always look at at least at the city level and I'll take the same approach to the federal level. Um, is this our problem to solve and what are the unintended consequences And I also utilize that um, in my, you know, what's our message? Our messaging sometimes, we can be right, but we can also be dead right. Um, So, yes, there could be areas that we fix with respect to um, voter integrity and election integrity. But to make that your platform and to harp on it so much, I personally saw firsthand how it's not, how that doesn't work. I knocked on a guy's door. And he said, oh, hey, hey, Leslie. I was like, oh, hi, were you expecting me? And he said, oh, it's so funny. I just threw my ballot away. And I said, well, why did you do Wow. He literally threw his ballot away. And so I had a discussion with him at his door. And I was like, your vote is your voice. And I said, you know, we're not perfect. This system of government is not perfect, but it is the best system in the world. And we're always working to improve it. So uh, anyway, after I, I left his door and I was moving on to the next house, he 
chased me down uh, in the middle of the summer. And he, he was holding the voter pamphlet and his ballot. And he said, is this you? And I said, yes, he goes, I'm going to vote. So we have to, we do, we have to encourage people to vote because it is their voice. It's their opportunity. Yep. Um, but I, I worry about certain messaging that makes people feel uh, deflated, that makes them yep. feel that their voice doesn't matter and that uh, they don't need to bother because the election will be stolen or uh, fraudulent. Uh, so they're just going to sit it out. Um, yeah, We can't yeah. allow that to happen. We can't. How important is it when someone is running for office that they are from the area that they want to represent? That's another thing that I have seen over and over. I mean, we're watching carpetbaggers all across this great nation who see what they think is a vulnerable seat or maybe a spot that they could shimmy into. And so they're moving either from a state across the country or from a state next door. And they don't really have a love. And this is this is what I think is so important. I think what should motivate someone to run for office is that they actually love the area that they want to represent. They care about it. Their kids are there. Their grandkids are going to be there. Uh, that was what hugely motivating to me. That was why I got into the race. I love this area. Mm-hmm. I've been here for a very long time. I'm raising my kids here. I've raised them. My grandkids are being raised here. How important is it, Leslie, that when we start looking for candidates, that they actually live in and work in and have lived and worked in the area that they want to represent? I think it's critically important. I'm a fifth generation Washingtonian. My my family moved to Washington before it became even a state. Uh, I have a huge history, deep roots with respect to the state. My grandfather was a city manager of Olympia for 30 years. Um, my, we have lived, worked, played, raised our families here in Washington State. And then I went to school. I went to undergraduate school and law school here in the state. I know, uh, you know, I took Fisheries 101 and I took Geology 101 with respect to Washington State. I took Washington State history. I have educated at least three out of my four on Washington State history. Um, when we have uh, individuals coming who are not from the specific state, they don't know the industries, they don't know the resources, they don't know the laws, and they don't have any skin in the game, uh, really. I mean, they're there for themselves. They, uh, it's just a springboard for something better mm-hmm. and different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I want to get to Washington, D.C. and get my work done and then get back on the plane and fly home to my family. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's what's important to me. And, and honestly, this wasn't the perfect time for me to run. I am running because we should never have lost that seat. And I'm running because if Marie Glusenkamp Perez gets another term under her belt, she could stay there for a very long time. We could lose the seat forever. And I'm also mm-hmm. running because we have a razor thin majority and it keeps getting smaller by the day. And I can't imagine uh, more of the same, more of these failed progressive policies that the Biden administration and Democrats are cramming down our throats all the time. Mm-hmm. I cannot mm-hmm. allow that to happen. And so if I have an opportunity to fight to get the seat back, then absolutely I'm going to step up to the plate and fight very hard because I love this state. I love this. It's worth fighting for. It is. Yeah, it's it worth is. it's worth fighting for. And as I've said many times here over the years on my show, you know, uh, the, the quickest way to lose a fight is simply not to show up to fight it. And we absolutely. need people who are willing to uh, to to throw everything, uh, leave everything on the field 
for this fight for freedom. Something I noticed in my run for Congress, and, and I've talked to you just a little bit about this, but you know my my takeaways, and so does my audience here, my biggest takeaway from running for Congress was how fractured the conservative party, the Republican Party, has become. It bears little resemblance to uh, the party of Reagan. You know, it was a President Reagan who said, hey, you know, what's the number one thing? We don't we don't speak ill of another Republican. And unfortunately, I think this is one of the lasting legacies of the Trump administration where uh, Trump and where I'm watching this even now in his his fight to be reelected president of the United States as he's really calling Ron DeSantis, you know, Ron DeSantis and all of this stuff. And there's no respect uh, among the candidates anymore. And I like to tell people, watch how these candidates campaign because a person will govern how he campaigns. And it's important that we bring uh, civic engagement to the forefront again, and we do it with integrity. What has your been experience been as you're running now in Washington State's third congressional? Are you noticing some of the same things and how do we change the tone uh, of races that are being run across the country? Yeah, I think I think absolutely you're correct. Uh, you know, I'm an attorney, and uh, when I was uh, in law school and uh, and just talking with my father, who's also an attorney, as are my two older sisters, my dad would always tell me, "If you can't win with reason, and if you can't win with logic, and if you have to resort to ad hominem or personal attacks, then you're not doing a good job." then you don't know the material well enough and you should not win your case. And I've, I use that throughout my life, whether I'm running for uh, Kansas city council or Congress, or if I'm arguing with my children, if you can't come prepared, if you can't come and do your homework, and if you don't know the facts well enough and the law well enough, or making your argument well enough, then if you have to resort to those those kind of dirty tactics, then then we know who you are. You haven't mm-hmm. you are not qualified, and, and mm-hmm. I honestly believe that. Uh, you know, I look around our our great state. There, are, I mean, I look at you. You are a great asset to Washington State. You are a great leader. You've inspired so many people. And why would anybody want to cut you down? Why would anybody want to uh, sling mud at you or, or break you down or disparage you or harm your reputation in any way? We have a very small pool of talent in terms of uh, who wants to step up to the plate, who wants to go get in that arena and fight for Washington. Um, so I don't see that calling people names or canceling them out benefits anyone. We have to win through Mm -hmm. addition and not subtraction. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Christmas, and if you're looking to make a real impression on your wife this year, I've got just the thing, pull-out shelves. These have improved my kitchen experience 100% because I can actually see what's in my cupboards simply by pulling the shelves out. It's amazing. 
Pullout Shelf Northwest has the best prices on pullout shelves and consistently beat their competition. Each pullout shelf comes with a lifetime warranty, is made of solid wood with dovetail construction, and comes in maple, oak, or cherry. The shelves are custom-made and installed by the owner of this small Camas Washington-based company. Just for the listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast, the owner, Brad Schram, is offering to stamp the inside of your shelves with a verse from the Bible, Proverbs 24, verse 3, and he'll give you $50 off your installation just for the privilege of doing it. Call Brad today at 503-504-7050 for your free estimate and support a local faith-based company this Christmas while you give the gift that will keep on giving. Pull out shelves. Visit Pull Out Shelf Northwest for more information or call Brad today at 503-504-7050. Yep, I could not agree more. And the the job of the of the state parties, as it were, you know, the Washington State Republican Party, the California Republican Party. I mean, we can talk all day long about the the national Republican Party, which I'm sorry, is a joke right now. It's just a mess under Ronda, uh, Ronda McDaniels. I mean, we're having all kinds of issues as a party. But one of the things I've noticed, and I, I'm trying to steer my listeners in a different direction, is that we're looking at endorsements as being the only thing that matters in an, in a race. And one of the things I have been frustrated by is to see Republican, the, the Republican Party of Washington State and California and Oregon and Idaho and Everwell, they have one job. Here's their job. You ready? Wait for it. Here it is. It's to give voice to conservative candidates and to get out the vote. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. You have one job in a Republican primary, and that is to give voice to conservative candidates and to get out the vote. The Washington State Republican Party, and I know this is true in California and actually around the country, has an abysmal record of getting out the vote. And yet again, they're not focused on getting out the vote. They're focused on very early endorsements, which what happens when we endorse too early is we end up fracturing the party because people fight so hard uh, with these endorsements that you that you disenfranchise the voters. And this has been happening now for quite a while. It's reaching a fever pitch here in Washington state uh, because we have certain people running for office who have gone out and, you know, they're going out early trying to get these endorsements before we even know who the candidates are running. Right. And, uh, and it's wrong. And I'm, and I'm, I'm hoping that you can speak to uh, parents who are, you know, voters who are looking at flyers that are coming out in the mail and that kind of thing. And they're like, well, if this county endorses and that county endorses, those county endorsements really, to my way of thinking, and after I ran the race, I can tell you it's true, they aren't worth the paper that they're printed on because these people are not actually getting out the vote. You can't win an election by sending out a mailer mm-hmm. and saying, oh, you know, uh, can, you know, whatever county it is is endorsed whatever person. That doesn't matter. What matters is boots on the ground. What matters is is being able to motivate people to get out and vote. What matters is being able to articulate a message in a way that people go, hey, that person could be my voice. I appreciate what they have to say. Has that been your experience? Are you watching uh, and seeing the same sort of thing happen that I'm seeing happen? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's it's the voters who decide. So while That's endorsements right. are nice, I, I love them. You know, I, I have, I've been endorsed by a number of individuals that I'm just honored and humbled to have their endorsement. Uh, and as a lifelong Republican, I, I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever gone uh, to a voter's pamphlet or whatever, or to a website to yeah. see who the counties endorsed or who the yeah. party yeah. endorsed. 
Um, and, yeah. and that's me being a lifelong Republican. I'll come to my friend Heidi St. John or I'll go to my friend Jennifer Sinescu or I'll go to my friend Tiffany Smiley and say, hey, who are you going to vote for? Why? You know, yes. tell me. Yeah. So it's those those personal connections that you have with your family and your friends. Uh, you trust them more than you trust some, you know, party that's made an yeah. endorsement. But what I find yeah. disturbing about, about this early endorsement trend, uh, you you can try all you want to try to game the system and to play parliamentary tricks to give somebody an unfair advantage. But in my experience, those games usually wind up backfiring and having yep. the opposite intended consequence. And yep. uh, voters don't want politicians. They don't want people to play games. They don't want people lying to them. They are fed up. They want to know, like you said, do you care? Do you live here? Do you work here? Are you invested in our region? And what are you going to do to improve my life? Uh, they don't care about some of those buzzwords or conspiracy theories. They want to know how are you going to help them pay for your groceries and put gas in your car at the same time. That's what they yeah. care about. Getting harder and harder. Yeah. It's absolutely getting harder. As you as you look ahead, there's there are some buzzwords that are out there right now. Mm -hmm. And, the, and uh, I kind of want to ask you about them because another thing that I noticed and I talked about this a couple of times on my show and I know it upsets people, but I'm just going to say it. I, there, there is a movement of, of people who uh, follow president Trump and are what I, there, there are people that I call the dark, the, you know, dark mags is what I call them. So it's, it's uh, Trump at all costs. It's Trump at the cost of truth. It's Trump at the cost of sanity. It's Trump at the cost of all these things. And what I'm noticing is this is the populist movement, right? Kind of moved away from, uh, from core values. And we've moved into sort of a celebrity culture in politics. And I think it's hurting us. I think it's hurting us with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think it hurt us with Lauren Boebert, people who get elected to, uh, to Congress or to the Senate, uh, for example, or even to local uh, positions of authority. And then their job is to get on Fox News. How many times can, get on, can I get on the news? Can I get my face on the cover of People magazine? But that's not doing the work of the people, the sort of celebrity culture. I, I would, uh, I guess there's a caveat to what I'm saying. And that is this, if Trump is the nominee, he's definitely got my vote hundred percent, mm -hmm. but I want to see us let the process play itself out without yes. all of this division, because what's happening is it's so polarizing in the early uh, parts of races yes. that we're, that we're destroying ourselves from within. We are. And I'm wondering, you know, how do we get away from that, Leslie, so that we can get to talking about the things we can talk, we can say make America great again all we want to, but if we don't understand the core values of the of the Republican Party, if we don't understand what conservatism means, mm -hmm. uh, then we then we then we won't have our messaging right. Right. So we want leaders who are going to do what's right for the country and not just say what what people want to hear. We want to see that our leaders can uh advocate for the limited government, for free market, for rule of law, for personal accountability, for um, making Americans safe. We really, those are, those are the things that really, really matter. And, and there is, there's a danger to what you just described uh, in, in terms of just saying all those, those right words, those buzzwords, they, they whip up the base on both sides of the yeah. aisle too. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they whip it up, they get people excited and energized, but 
they they are lacking in, in substance behind them. Yeah. They lack yeah. in any sort of real solution. And so I have asked people before, I'm like, do you want, tr- trust me, take a moment and reflect, do you want to elect someone who's actually going to be able to work together with people and to solve problems and to get things passed? Or do are you so frustrated with our government that you just want someone who's going to go over to DC and be a complete agent of chaos. Yeah. Eventually shuts our country down and makes things impossible because we saw that play out recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. There are, there are agents of chaos that are looking for that one moment that they can utilize. And it's kind of disgusting, but they're utilizing Mm -hmm. these moments as fundraising techniques. Yep. We're seeing it. Yeah. Meanwhile, where the majority of good Republicans are just, they've got their head down and they're focused on their job, but it makes it makes raising funds for common sense individuals who just are trying to do the public service uh, required and and what people want. It makes it a lot more difficult when you when you have that uh, section of individuals that are really in it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's true. And I'm also looking at. I mean. As someone who's running for Congress, you have to have a set of things that you're like, this is the most important thing about about what I uh, what I want to do when I get to Congress. We are in so much trouble in this country. It's it's crazy. And we don't have a lot of time left no. to shore it up because, you know, hello, Congress is in charge of the purse strings and our national debt is out of control. We've got all kinds of waste, all kinds of, uh, we've got issues at our Southern border for goodness sake. And we're feeling it here in Washington state with fentanyl increases and all of those things. But I'm looking at what is happening to the country. And I have to think um, that people really want a more stable, if you will, so less less celebrity and more stability in Congress. How important is it, Leslie, that our representatives are able to to reach across the aisle and start at, start at places that we have common ground? Because we everything feels so polarized right now. Mm-hmm. But I have to believe that there are places that we can reach across the aisle and start saying, "Hey, we both care about what's happening with with the fentanyl crisis. We both care about our out of debt or our spending out of control." Yeah. Where can we start? Well, I think uh, a good example right now is our current uh, Congresswoman, Kathy McMorris-Rogers. Um, I don't see her on television very often. I don't know if, you know, right. she's not on there. She's actually working. She's doing the work. She's doing the work. And she she has, uh, she's put forth a, many bipartisan bills. Uh, I think she had one on TikTok. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's an area that I've always been concerned about. Uh, exposure uh, on the social media with our children and what ideas are they learning? I mean, this is a Chinese company that is right. They, uh, our children are spending hours upon hours every day uh, on TikTok, and that's where they're you know some of our younger generations are getting their news for crying out loud. This is it's this crazy. Is yeah, this is very scary. And so I want to elect serious people like Kathy McMorris Rogers who is going to start working across the aisle to address the very concerns that I have, because I am a mom of four and I worry about what's getting pushed on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. I mean, this is, this is the new avenue. Social media now is the new avenue. I know as a, as a prosecuting attorney and, and from the work that I do with law enforcement at the city level alone, this, they are the, the, 
it's not your your old uh, war on drugs, just say no with Nancy Reagan. No, these individuals are hunting our kids down. They are finding them on social media. They are getting them to purchase drugs and they are delivering them to their home. Yep. They are, they crazy. are after crazy. our kids and I, I'm scared and I'm, you know, that's, that's what worries me. So I would much, I would, you know, if we, if we're going to shut down the government and prevent a bipartisan building to help put some limits on TikTok, that's not in my favor. It's not my family's favor. Uh, I, I want to see things get fixed. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I want that American dream for my children. Uh, yeah. I know you have seven children. One of my biggest concerns is I, I really do. And I was joking about it this morning at a breakfast with a room full of like 50 individuals. But um, I said, I, I just want them to, to be able to leave my house at some point. But right. really, I mean, that's the problem because we have, we have out of control costs. People are getting taxed to death. Uh, we have a failing education system. And I am really honestly concerned that my four children will not have the ability to leave my home and start their own productive homes and be productive members of society. I'm very yep. concerned about that. Um, and so, yeah, again, all of this political theater and uh, just stirring the pot, I don't see that how that benefits anybody. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. Washington state or across the nation, frankly. And it's time. That yeah, it's true. It's true. And it's time. I mean, we've, we've got to just have people in office again, who just care about the country, care less about, you know, what people, what news shows they can get on and more about how can we solve the problems that the voters sent you there to solve. It's so important. Leslie Llewellyn, it's just really an honor to have you here. I'm excited to see where your race goes. you got a long road ahead of you, girl. Uh, okay. The primaries are coming up in August of 2024, and there are a lot of things at stake. Where can people find out more information about your race? Thanks, Heidi. So you can go to my website, Leslie, it's just L-E-S-L-I-E-F-O-R, Washington, all spelled out. Dot com. That's Leslie for Washington. Uh, we're looking for support. Like I said, uh, even nationally, I make a lot of calls because it's the NRCC is listed. This race is one of the top three congressional pickup races. This race alone could determine whether or not we keep the majority in the House of Representatives. And so if people are looking for a good investment uh, to protect Republican values and to protect our our nation, then this is a race that people really should consider investing in. Um, I think it's true. Yeah. And I said this in my run for Congress. We had uh, a lot of national support, as you know, uh, for for my race when we were running. And I think uh, people need to stop looking just at their own state when they're looking to support candidates. It takes a lot of money. I hate this, but it's true. It takes a lot of money to run for Congress. Those ads don't uh, produce themselves and the radios do not put them on for free. And television ads are very expensive. Mailers are very expensive. All of those things. That is where the money goes. Leslie's not getting paid to run for Congress. This is costing you a lot. I know from experience, uh, it 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 was it's very costly for a candidate, and you are owed a huge debt of gratitude not only from the citizens of Washington State, but from people who love this country. It takes some chutzpah. It takes real courage to run for office. I don't care if you're running for school board, which those are nasty races. I'm sorry, but they are. Yep. Uh, this is a, a very challenging political climate. And uh, I thank you for what you're doing. Well, thank you. And thank you for running before. Honestly, it takes, we, we need fighters. We need people who are still willing to roll up their sleeves and get, 
get to work to fight for this great country. Yep. Absolutely true. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on. Let's do it again. Thank you. For more information on Leslie Wallen and her run for Congress, you can go to leslieforwashington.com. I'm going to encourage you. You guys, give this woman some financial love today. Go to her website and support her run for Congress. We need common sense conservatism to make a rise again here in the United States. I'm not done fighting. Leslie's not done fighting. And I know you guys are not done fighting either. So thank you guys for listening today. Get off the bench. Get onto the battlefield. I'll see you right back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.